0: www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for The Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Welcome to The Bible Live Quiz Hour yeah! It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible The entire Bible every year on Sunday nights at 9. Join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar.
2: Thank you for joining us tonight for the Bible Live, the Quiz Show. Here, that time when we ask you questions from the Scriptures, and you get to call in, answer those questions, get some, win some prizes, put together some uh, rose cleaner certificates for you, some uh, tickets to Splash Town this summer as it's beginning to open up. It's going to open up very soon, and you'll be able to take uh, a couple of the grandkids or the kiddos or the you and the. Uh, the wife can get out and enjoy a, a day in the sun and uh, playing in the water there at Splash Town here in San Antonio. Uh, you would be happy to have you call in and, and uh, give those to you as a as a just a little award, a little prize, a little love gift for calling in and being part of the program. But first, we always uh, ask you some questions. Tonight's uh, questions come from two books, actually. Uh, our reading schedule calls for us to read through the book of Ezra this past week uh, and uh, we are i have some questions for you from that book Ezra chapters 1 through 4 and then uh, we read the entire book of Romans which is just a, a marvelous book from the New Testament it is probably the most complete book of uh, uh theologically at least it's the most complete presentation of the message of the gospel, the redemptive plan that God has uh, put in place, uh, and it's it's a big picture. I, I just I, I think it's so very important if you can to get to the Book of Romans uh, as you, to understand uh, the redemptive plan of God. I think so many people today they we think of God in very theoretical. Very almost superstitious mythological ways that you know God is just that that big unknown being and so on. We don't think of God in any specific a personal relational terms and get to know God as He really truly is. And that's what we have the privilege to do. That's that's our privilege. And yes, I do understand as children and when we're six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, you know, years of age, we, we begin thinking of God in those big terms and He's bigger than our minds can can wrap around. He's bigger God is bigger and greater and more powerful, better, more loving, and there's so many aspects to his character so many so many dimensions of his being that we we sort of lose ourselves it's kind of hard to take all of it in uh and, but we we respond to him just god that the great being and that he loves us and cares for us i hope that you have that sense at least an understanding uh but then sooner or later as we become to be uh thinkers as we begin to uh, reason and look at the scriptures. This idea that uh, God has revealed Himself. Uh, of course, we see in Scripture, and we see in the Book of Romans, first and foremost, what is called general revelation. Um, and this is the broadest level which, in which the God of the universe, the creator of everything that exists, including planet Earth and its oceans and the land and uh, our ecosystem that we enjoy, the trees, the, the seasons, the rain, the snow, the, the beaches, the islands, and so on, uh, this this incredible world that we live on, uh, this planet, and the human race uh, the, 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 not only the human, but the animal kingdom that, that inhabits the seas and the and the the ocean, so everything that we see from the macrocosm, the, the stars and the moon and the sun, and the planets and the solar system and so on, and down to the micro uh, level of of. Uh, Cells and molecules and atoms and and oh just quartz now we, we is it quartz we hear about I forgotten the name of the something. we're discovering now the levels of uh, existence levels of matter that uh, we didn't know about even before and uh, in the world of physics and we 're learning things about. Uh, matter and about energy they are interchangeable believe it or not we found out with the uh, e equals mc squared formula that einstein brought forth and so we've begun to see that yes matter can be converted and broken apart into into the energy in the given salt molecule released so um there you go we we've we're looking at all of these things and uh Uh, And and that special revelation we have in the scriptures. And if you look at the book of Romans, and uh, that's what we're focusing on a little bit tonight, is that you'll find that Paul goes back in that book because he had never been to Rome. He had never visited them. Uh, All the other letters he was writing to the Corinthians or to the uh, Philippians, the people in Philippi, those in Thessalonica, uh, Thessalonica, however you might want to pronounce it, And he's writing back to these people that he preached to and talked to. And so he had that basis of relationship with them that he could, when he wrote to them, he didn't have to fill in all the blanks and all the details because they knew some of his preaching and and the message he was presenting. But here with the Romans, uh, he had not been there before, and he lays out the message. The redemptive plan of God in the clearest, most complete way that we have. Uh, now, Galatians, the, the letter that was sent to the churches in Galatia, it was not, Galatia, of course, is not a city. It was a region, a, prov- a Roman province, and this was passed. The letter was passed around to the churches in Galatia. Uh, but here we have the book of Romans tonight that we'll be looking at. And as I said, I think a lot of us look at God in, in just is big, unknowable. And yes, he is beyond our comprehension. There's no exhaustive comprehension of God himself. His greatness is beyond. His ways are beyond our ways. His being is beyond our our exhaustive comprehension and understanding. But we are created in his image we do have minds and marvelous amazing minds that god has given to human beings uh the things that are built the creativity the art the music the uh the, the buildings the architecture the things that have been uh, discovered and done uh, as we think god's after, thoughts after him as einstein said um the, the idea of science is thinking god's co- uh, thoughts after him and so we uh we get to know god and we can know him it's not just this big unknowable power There, he is a person. He, we can see even in creation, according to the book of Romans, we can see uh, who God is and we can see something of his nature, his goodness, his greatness, his benevolence to us, his power, his creativity. Uh, every, and then, if you look at the animal kingdom and even human beings, we can see his sense of humor, uh, his personhood. Uh, if personhood places us as human beings at the at the top of the heap at the top of the animal kingdom here on planet earth we are the the uh, uh above the in the animal kingdom we have an uh, there is a certain part of our biological uh soulish that that neurological system the hormones and so on the feelings and that we we have that that soulish dimension but also there is that spiritual that free will that uh, that ability to Consider ourselves objectively to separate ourselves from the environment around us, and, and as animals don't have that, you know, they see and consider and and live their existence as part of their environment in response instinctively to their environment, to one another, to the other others in the animal kingdom, uh, and and in our world. But we have ability to objectify, to get outside our, ourselves, outside the box. And consider ourselves and our options and then and choose between those different options that we that we are able to uh, to see, to evaluate them and then to choose between them. What an amazing thing. And that's the human spirit, the spiritual nature of man. We see all of this laid out for us. The book of Romans makes it very com- clear and co- to us. And then it talks about how then man God has created the human race to 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 be able to call out a people Out of the human race To call out a people for himself Those I will be their God They will be my people Those who choose to know God Desire to know him Love him Serve him Honor him Glorify him Then God has made a way for us To be reconciled to him uh, Even as we approach him As fallen sinful human beings With fallen nature And our irresistible Irrevocable tendency To selfishness and sin But even then uh, even when we were sinners, in Romans five one it says Christ died for us. Even when we were uh, enemies, as we were in in rejecting God, He still, even in de- that situation, He took upon Himself our sin. He carried out the redemptive plan. Uh, through Messiah Jesus, and then uh, now we have the privilege so that's we'll look at all of that in the book of Romans and we'll try to consider it deeply uh, and I would welcome your phone calls tonight about uh about God, about creation, about uh, the human race, about God's purposes, about uh, even uh, if you want, uh, about Satan, about the, the the entire redemptive plan of God so that we no longer think of wh- what God is doing and who God is and, and his plan for human beings. We no longer think of it in these broad sort of semi-mythological or even superstitious ways, but we truly begin to understand and contemplate the true and living god the the creator himself how he works how the father the son the spirit dwell in perfect oneness and unity and as as three divine personages and they dwell in perfect harmony and oneness with each other in love in character in in uh in their desire their will uh, their intention and purpose and also finally in their action the three Persons, the divine personages in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, is the formula the the names, the titles that Jesus the Messiah gave to us, and made Well, not gave to us they were already in the scriptures, but he popularized clearly those particular under that particular understanding of the God, the true and living God, three distinct persons in perfect oneness and harmony, so perfect in their their unity and their love for each other, and so on that we can know and consider them accurately, correctly, as one true and living God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. So there that's kind of a background of what we're going to try to do now. I'm going to ask you some questions from the Psalms and the Proverbs, what we call our wisdom and worship segments of our reading schedule. And then I'm going to ask you some questions from the book of Ezra that we read as well on Monday evening, and then chapters 1 through 16, the entire book, uh, uh, le- Paul's letter to the believers in Rome, I'll ask you some questions there, too. So if you're ready, let me put out some questions. Our phone number is 340-9585, 340-9585. And before I go too much further, let me just say Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there and granddads and great-granddads and uh, just all of you who have dads. Happy Father's Day uh, to you men who have... Been blessed with uh, uh, family, with with wives and and uh, children, and um, may God bless you and give you strength and wisdom and, and guidance as you uh, serve faithfully to love, protect, guide, provide for your children, for your family, and as you point them faithfully to our heavenly Father, uh, the Father of us all. Not not only through creation, uh, not only the. The fatherhood of God. There is the Bible does talk about God being uh, a father of mankind. He is the uh, progenitor of the creator of our entire race, the hum- the human race. So, in in a sense, there is he is our father, the father by creation, but also in that very special sense of redemption, he is our father by adoption. We have. By the grace, by the work of Messiah, uh, his his sacrifice, his redemptive sacrifice on our behalf, we have been adopted into the family of God himself. And uh, we are, we point, as fathers, we point our children faithfully to the, the heavenly fathers. So I, I say happy birthday, happy Father's Day to all of you men out there. I hope you've had a great day and a good time with your families and children and And uh, pray for those relationships. And let's just keep doing what Job did, praying for our children, interceding, lifting them up, providing, protecting. Uh, We never stop being their fathers. So uh, happy Father's Day to you all. Here's here are some questions now from our readings. Uh, From the book of the Proverbs, I'm going to ask this question. If we belittle or disrespect a poor person or one who is less fortunate uh, than us in, in any way. We disrespect them or belittle them or mock them or make fun of them. Who are we also disrespecting? Who are we also disrespecting? I noticed this when we uh, on our vacation, we just took a little vacation this last week. I, we don't often get to do that uh, in all of our years in ministry. We've uh, I, I would say probably our vacation times have always a bit, been few and far between in terms of just pure vacation. Of course, we do a lot of mission projects in uh, in uh, Panama and in, in in Honduras and Mongolia and India and all over the world. We go and do mission projects, and it's quite often they're uh, they're a lot of fun. And they uh, they're not often just purely for relaxation and enjoyment. Uh, but we we sometimes I'm tempted to call those vacation. But this was a rare time with the family. And uh, we got to go down into Mexico. A, a family of some of our friends and supporters of our ministry uh, have a timeshare down there. And they said, hey, Dollar family, you need a rest. We we have this and we want you to go down and enjoy this. And so we did. And with the three kids and the grandchild and, uh, and my wife and I, we had a wonderful, wonderful week. But I remember while we were there even. I remember, even in that culture and society, we saw a man, a very uh, humble man, one who evidently a, a bit broken or, or in his mind and his understanding. Uh, and uh, and I remember at that time thinking, wow, it, maybe at one time in my life as a youngster, I would have, maybe, I don't know, uh, been tempted to look down upon or mock or make fun of or you know, uh, or at least uh, you know, think worse of. But I, I remember. Uh, thinking as we saw this, wow, There's a he is God's creation. This is a remarkable individual. No matter how he seems simple and and maybe broken to us in some ways, who knows the battles, the struggles, the experiences that have brought him to that point in his life. Uh, But here he is, a creation of God. And so uh, we have this question. If we belittle or disrespect a poor person or one less fortunate in any way, who are we also disrespecting? That's question number one tonight. Question uh, number two here for you on the airwaves. It comes from Proverbs chapter 17. All of these questions right now are from Proverbs chapter 17. V- the first question comes from verse 5. This question comes from verse 28. Even fools are thought to be wise when they do what? Even a fool, even fools are thought to be wise when when they do uh, something very specific, what is it? Proverbs 17:28, very interesting passage. Let's go to the book of Ezra now. Uh, this r- writer, this uh, scribe, uh, who who loved the scriptures and wrote the scrip- uh, uh, some Psalms. He wrote uh, uh, the book of the Ezra. This history that we have there of the people returning to the Promised Land. From Ezra chapter one, verse one. Who was it that prophesied that the people of Israel would be allowed to return to Jerusalem after after seventy years of exile in Babylon? Who was it that prophesied that the Israelites, the Israelis would be allowed to return to Jerusalem after seventy years of exile? That's found in chapter 1, verse 1 of the book of Ezra, uh, in a couple other places, but I can't tell you all those other places, or I'd give you the answer to the question. Uh, What Persian king, what Persian king uh, signed and published the command, the decree that allowed the Israelites to return to Jerusalem from Babylon? What Persian emperor published that decree that allowed them, that permitted the Israelis to return to Jerusalem after that 70 year period that was predicted and prophesied? So those. Two questions just in the background of the book of Ezra. We'll ask you more when we get the answers to those. If you know the answer to any of these questions, give me a call, 340-9585. We'll talk about it, let you uh, take a shot at answering those questions and uh, test your Bible knowledge here. And hopefully we can talk about it a little bit, maybe deepen and expand our understanding and our knowledge as well. And you'll pick up some tickets to, uh, uh, let's see, rose cleaners and some free passes to Splashtown this summer. We'll give a couple of passes to, to each of our winners tonight, Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Now let's go to the book of Romans, this, this very complete presentation that the Apostle Paul gives about um, the uh, redemptive plan of God, about God and his redemptive plan. Now this comes from the first chapter, first verse of the book of Romans, Uh, In the Roman Empire, freedom and citizenship were precious possessions. Over half of the people in the Roman Empire were enslaved at some level, indentured slaves and so on. And so we have this uh, question. Uh, Freedom and citizenship were rare possessions, precious possessions. But Paul starts out his letter to the Romans referring to himself as what? What? Romans chapter one, verse one. And another of the great themes of the book of Romans uh, is what is the coin of the realm, spiritually speaking? Uh, what is the means by which the human beings are able to to interact and inter uh, to have uh, um, to transact, make transaction, to deal with God? How is it that we are, are able to experience God in any level uh, in our lives as human beings. What principle do we accept? The, uh, I'm hoping I'm asking you the question in a number of different ways so that you'll get the idea. How do we accept the gospel message? How do we experience the transforming power of God in our lives? What is the means by which we experience God uh, now in this world? All right, that's chapter one. Verse 17 There's a key word and it's a key principle in the book of Romans. Now, then, let me ask you uh, one other question here. Uh, Paul here lays out the uh, uh, the nature of God and particularly how is it and why is it uh, that God has interacts with the human race? Uh, that was his purpose and to to call out a people for Himself, and it's referred to as redemption or salvation. The aspect of redemption, where God forgives us and sees us just as if we never sinned. What aspect of salvation is that called? And theologically, you can look in Romans chapter one, five, chapter five, verse one. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about the salvation, the plan of God for salvation tonight and uh it, it's not there there are different aspects of it we live in time and space we live uh we experience the different uh the different um, aspects the different parts sections or divisions of of salvation and i'm talking about the aspect of salvation where we enter into the, a relationship with god he we are forgiven by god and god begins to see us just as if we had never sinned what aspect of salvation is that called you'll find it in the book of acts chapter 5 verse 1 let's go to our phone line already now and paul is with us tonight i'd like to visit with him hi paul good for you to call in tonight How are you doing today? I'm really well. I've had a great, great Father's Day. I loved, I always loved being a dad my entire life, and the birth of our first child over in Spain when we were uh, young in the missionary field and so on. And uh, our other son was also born there. And I I just love being a dad. And it's still fun, Paul, even after all the, now that they're grown and older now. Uh, but we're still dad. I still love him. We still—it's—it's uh, it's a the relationship kind of changes over the years. But uh, I still love well. Being I, a dad. I had been. Yeah, yeah. How about you? Tell me a little bit about your. Are, are you a dad yourself or? No, me, I don't I, think so. Not yet, huh? <laughs> well, I
1: know I'm 65 years old, and I'd still like to be.
2: Oh well, who? I bet you've served the role of dad probably in a number of people's lives. That's I. I, I was an orphan myself, Paul. I I, uh, I never knew my dad, my real father. I don't know who my earthly father was. I just found out about my earthly mother when I was 35 years of age. I didn't know I had been abandoned at birth, passed around to 16 families and placed in an, uh, kind of a home for homeless and delinquent boys. And so uh, but I, I'll say this about uh, being an orphan in, in kind of in that sense alone is that there are a lot of men through my younger years as I was growing up in the teens and so on they took on the role of father to me they were a mentor they were and I, I bet you've played that role in someone's life maybe some nephews or maybe I don't know who it might be but I'm guessing there's somebody somewhere some who look up to you and remember the things that you taught them I'm I'm just guessing shot in the dark maybe so I hope so I don't know. Well, what do you want to talk about tonight? Did you have an answer to one of our questions? Sure. Okay. Which one did you like, It's it, you heard? Uh, Romans 1.1. 1, 1. Okay. In the Roman Empire, freedom and citizenship were precious possessions and relatively rare. Uh, over half of the people in the Roman Empire lived uh, in, in servitude. But Paul starts his letter to the Romans calling himself what? We find out later that Paul is a. Uh, we find out later that Paul is a free man. He, he's a Roman citizen, self. but he refers to himself in Romans chapter one, verse one, as what? Well, just a minute. In relationship to Jesus Christ, he was Jesus. Well. Paul says he's a bondservant of Jesus Christ the Messiah. A bondservant, a slave. Isn't that interesting that he, even in that world where freedom and citizenship were so valued, he's eager and quick to say, I am a slave of Jesus Christ. That, that's, it's a little bit ironic when you think about the world he lived in. Thank you so much for calling in. Don't hang up now, Paul, all right? Oh, I've got surprises for you. And we'll be right, right back thanks. after this break, folks. 340-9585.
3: Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it.
2: Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning process?
0: Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets.
2: Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century. 831-3535.
3: Dennis Prager here with an important message. We spend our whole lives taking care of those we love However, statistics show that over half of all adults fail to have a will prepared. Giving the gift of a well-prepared estate plan is one of the most loving things you can do for those you care about. So let me introduce you to Charlie Weisinger with Weisinger Law Firm. Charlie is an estate planning attorney who takes the time to get to know you and your family and your goals and desires for them. Charlie makes the process simple. Most clients have a plan in place in as little as two visits. Give Charlie Weisinger and his staff at Weisinger Law Firm a call today. Your first consultation is free. Weisinger Law Firm is conveniently located one mile north of 1604 in Selma, Texas. You can reach him at 210-308-0800. That's 210-308-0800. Or online at weisingerlawfirm.com. W-E-I-S-I-N-G-E-R lawfirm.com.
0: Floodwaters are going to come. Rivers will rush through uninvited, and unpredicted fires will burn. It's the way of life. As much as we'd like to avoid the unexpected, sometimes the only thing to do is walk through. Adversity can be tough to face, but there is one who walks through trials with us and will not leave our side. Take him with you through the floods and fires. AM 630, The Word. Join Barry Bass every weekday morning for the KSLR Morning Ministries, including Through the Bible, Renewing Your Mind, Truth for Life, and Focus on the Family. Weekdays from 6 to 10 on AM 630 KSLR and KSLR.com. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound
3: that saved a rich like me. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
0: Once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to feel, and grace my fear.
2: This is the Bible Live, the quiz show. We're asking you questions about that amazing grace that God has poured out on the human race and inviting us into a relationship, an intimate, personal love relationship with God himself, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, entering into that oneness relationship uh, that that Jesus, the Messiah even had with with god the father and that the the theme of john chapter 17 oh father he said he said bring them in to love them with it let them experience that perfect love bring them in the, into that oneness that you and i have experienced even from eternity past what a tremendous uh blessing that we are called and that we can respond and if you desire to be made right with God, if you desire to be right with Him, to experience God, to know God, to honor God, to please God in your life, if that's your joy and your delight and your desire, no matter what kind of mistakes you made in your past, no matter what kind of uh, uh, life you've lived in the past, if in you at this point, you may be even suffering consequences of, uh, of sin or difficulties and tragedies in your life in that sense. Uh, but even then, uh, especially then, is when we are called... We sometimes we're at the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> at the, it, we have to dip right to the bottom before we can look up and we see God's love and mercy. He's, we see His forgiveness, His redemptive plan, His salvation. So I, I encourage you tonight as we talk about the great book of salvation in the in the New Testament. All of the books deal with the theme of redemption and salvation, but the book of Romans in particular is very clear about it. I want to encourage you that you can. You can know God. You can be made right with God. You can experience him. And I'm not talking about fire insurance. I'm not just talking just so I can go to the hot air conditioned place instead of the I mean, the air, cool air conditioned place instead of the hot place when I die. That's not we're talking about. If you desire God, if you want to know him, if there's a, a longing in your heart for rightness, for righteousness, for goodness, Uh, for immortality to to continue to live in relationship with God all of these things Paul points them out in Romans chapters 1 and 2 uh, that they are fundamental to those who the redeemed if those are our desire and our longing those are the ones that God has uh, God has carried out the redemptive plan so that we can come into a confident Secure relationship with the Creator. Well, let me ask you the questions I've got out there on the airwaves. I'll go through them quickly this time. If we belittle or disrespect a poor person or one less fortunate in any way than we are, if we make fun of them or disrespect them, who are we also disrespecting? In Proverbs chapter 7, verse 5, who are we also disrespecting at the same time if we belittle or disrespect a poor person? Uh, And another question from the Proverbs chapter 17, even fools are thought to be wise when they do what? What is it that uh, that sometimes uh, I've seen this work and I've I've actually uh, uh, seen this work in my own life at times when I've been rather foolish and so on. But sometimes uh, people I can fool people into thinking I'm wise when I do this one particular thing. What is it? Proverbs 17, verse 28. Okay, let's go to the book of Ezra in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. Who was it that prophesied that the Israelites, the Israelis, after they were taking into bondage and slavery over in, uh, into Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar uh, in, um, AD, uh, in 586 B.C., the temple was destroyed, the Babylonians uh, sacked the city, And they were taken away, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, others uh, were taken away into Babylon and in exile. But then uh, there was a prophet who had told him it was going to happen in chapter 25 of his book. Who was it that prophesied that the Israelis would be allowed to return to Jerusalem after their time of exile? After 70 years, he actually gave that number. Uh, 70 years. So who was it that gave that prophecy? It's in Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. And also in that first verse of the book of Ezra, we find out what Persian king signed and published the decree that allowed the Israelis to return to Jerusalem from Babylon. This is uh, not Nebuchadnezzar, but uh, uh, a one who came after him. Uh, they conquered, actually, the, this particular people group, conquered the Babylonians, and this emperor... Uh, he's actually referred to, believe it or not, in the Hebrew scriptures, the the term Messiah is uh, is given to this emperor, this uh, Persian emperor. But he is the one who signed the decree that allowed the people of Israel to illegally to return to Jerusalem from Babylon. And let me ask you another question now from the book of Ezra. Um, le- let's say. uh Oh, I can't ask you that one to give away another answer. Uh, uh, let's let's do this one. When the people, when the first fifty thousand people returned to Israel from Babylon, once they were given permission to go, there was this uh, large group that made that first trip—forty-five to fifty thousand people. What was the first thing that they rebuilt once they returned to Jerusalem? They made that long, long journey. Up over the fertile crescent, the journey that Abraham had made when he first traveled from the uh, uh, land of, of, of Ur of the Chaldeans, he made that journey, and they followed that over the uh, crescent, uh, uh, the fertile crescent, over the top, up into uh, Aramean, past Nineveh, where Nineveh later was to be uh, established, and then down to on the uh, on the west side of the Jordan, down to Canaan which uh, when the first 50,000 people returned to Israel from Babylon, what was the first thing they rebuilt? And that's chapter 3, verse 2 of the book of Ezra, chapter 3, verse 2. Now, uh, Paul already called and answered the question about Paul refers to himself as a slave, a bondservant, which is a particular kind of slave, one who voluntarily, willingly gives himself over to the service of, of his uh, master, uh, and that is the bond slave. And and Paul says, I am a bond slave of Jesus Christ in the very first verse of the book of Romans. And then I ask you this question, how do we accept the gospel message and how do we experience God and and his transforming work in our lives, his uh, saving work in our lives? What is the means? What is the medium? What is the the coinage that we use to bring all that God has for us into our life experience. It's found in chapter one of the book of Romans, verse 17, that key important word that every human being on planet Earth has this. It's not like some people have it and other people's don't. Uh, we all have it. It's part and parcel of, of our uh, of us as human beings, of our lives It's part of what makes us human beings uh, is the ability to express this quality. What is it? That allows us to accept the gospel message and experience its transforming power in our lives. Okay, that's chapter one, verse 17 of Romans. And then chapter five of the book of Romans talks about this wonderful salvation that we have in Christ. It comes in three aspects. There are three, imagine yourself looking into one of those big three-way mirrors. If you've ever rented a tuxedo, men or ladies, if you're going to the prom or to a wedding and you're getting that gown and you stand in front of that, it's one of that three-way mirror that lets you see yourself. In in these three different angles, three different dimensions. And, of course, there's only one you, but they have these different perspectives of it. Well, that's kind of the picture I want you to have when we're thinking about our salvation in Christ. We experience that salvation in three different phases since we live in time and space. And uh, the different phases of our salvation are laid out for us there in the book of Romans and throughout the New Testament as well. But the the first aspect of salvation that we experience uh, is where we enter the kingdom of God when we receive Christ as Savior and Lord of our lives by uh, trusting in Him, and then God forgives us, and it says He sees us quote just as if we had never sinned. What is that quality, that aspect of salvation called? Look in Romans chapter five. Verse one. You're going to learn a little bit tonight, if you don't already know it, about the salvation that we have in Christ and how we experience it, how we can bring that salvation to bear every day, every moment of every day of our lives, uh, in walking in in our, that relationship with God. So, what's that first aspect of salvation, where we are forgiven and we are made to be just as if we had never sinned? Now, then, one other question I'm going to ask, since uh, Paul answered the question about the slavery. Uh, Paul calling himself a, a bond slave of Jesus. By his obedience, Jesus the Messiah offers forgiveness and new life to all men, spiritual life. By my disobedience, I made sin and death a part of every human being's experience. Who am I? Wow. Deep, deep question. Uh, very biblical, though. Listen to the question once more. By his obedience, Jesus, the Messiah, offers forgiveness and life to all men, eternal life. By my disobedience, I made sin and death a reality in every human being's experience. Who am I? That's found in chapter 5 of the book of Romans, verse 12 through 21. Who is this one who brought sin and death to? Uh, upon the human race that brought that experience into our lives as human beings you can give us a call 340-9585 that's the phone number 340-9585 that's our phone number if you can answer any of those questions we'd love to hear from you we've got some uh, great prizes for you uh, some tickets to splash town this summer uh, that you and your family can enjoy two tickets and then also we have some, uh, uh, some Coupons are that you can use. They're not coupons. You have to buy something first. These are just like money. You take them into Rose Cleaners, and uh, they they function just like laying out a twenty dollar bill. You'll have a twenty dollar, uh uh, 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 what do I call it? I don't want to call it a coupon. I guess uh, uh, that you can use there, like twenty bucks to uh, get your clothes cleaned and processed there at Rose Cleaners. Or maybe you have a special cleaning project, a sofa or some linens or some uh, drapery or so on that you needed taken care of. that They can do that for you, and we have uh, a gift certificate for you from Rose Cleaners. So give us a call, 340-9585, if you would like to uh, answer any of those questions for us. Now, w- another of the great themes of the Book of Romans... In the redemptive plan of God and so on, and, and and that we've laid out, another of the great themes that is that is introduced and that is uh, clarified and, and, and spelled out in deeper uh, detail perhaps for us in the book of Romans is uh, the, the Holy Spirit. We hear in the scriptures, as I said before, it is Jesus the Messiah himself who popularized Uh, He didn't invent these. They are, uh, uh, and really, if you look at the life and teaching of Jesus of Nazareth, uh, very little, uh, to be very honest, very little original is there. He was so full of the Scriptures. He knew the Hebrew Scriptures. He knew the Torah. uh, He knew the Tanakh, uh, and he quoted from almost every book in the in the Old Testament uh, extensively. And so he knew about the God, uh, the Father, the Creator. He knew about the Son. The, he, he knew about the Holy Spirit, and he lays them out, the, the s- distinct persons in the Godhead. And he talks about the Holy Spirit. He talk- Jesus talked to his disciples about the Holy Spirit uh, before he, uh, his death and resurrection, in fact. But here in the book of Romans, uh, Paul spells it out in greater detail after the fact. Now he's talking to us according to Romans 8, verse 9, according to Romans 8, 9, in what way is the Holy Spirit or as Jesus called him, the comforter, in what way is God's spirit related to every true Christian? And by true Christian, we mean not just kind of religiously or, you know, the label on the bottle, but I'm talking about the contents of the bottle, that that, uh, that there's redemption. They've been brought into a relationship with the true and living God through the redemptive plan of God. Uh, In what way is God's Holy Spirit related to every follower, every true follower of Jesus, the Messiah? Okay, that's Romans chapter eight, verse nine. What is this way? Uh, And it's 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 a part that God has. This is God's part. It's part of the redemptive plan of God. Actually, Uh, this is part of uh, that salvation that we have in Christ. So give me a call if you can answer that questions, uh, that question or any of these questions, actually, again, three, four, zero, ninety five, eighty five, three, four, zero, ninety five, eighty five, three, four, zero. Let's see if there's another question I might want to go on to and talk about with you uh, that is interesting that you might find helpful from the book of Romans. Um, Oh, I I hope and maybe when Jacob is back with us next week, uh, he's taking some time with his family this week and uh, enjoying some time with his grandson, Tavin. As you know, he's been on the program sometimes with us and uh, over. He is with them This week and enjoying some time with his daughter and their family. And uh, we wish him a great, happy Father's Day. We had a chance to visit he and I together today and he'll be with us next week. I'd love to have him comment on some of this uh, because uh, Paul spends some time in the in Romans chapters nine and 10 talking about what it means to be now, uh, what it means to to be part of uh, um, part of the people group. Uh, the political uh, ethnic group of the Jews, the Jewish nation, the Israelites, the Israelites. Now, uh, in my view, in my understanding, uh, the deepest, most complete meaning of the idea of Israel. Uh, remember, the word Israel means uh, they wrestled with God and won. They've champions. They've conquered. They've. We've. And uh, that name was giving given to. Um, um, Jacob, over in the Hebrew Scriptures, first given to him. Remember the night after they wrestled, uh, God had already said, I'm going to give you a new name. And after that wrestling match there uh, at the side of the river, as he was returning uh, south after his time, his 14 years with his uh, uh, uncle Laban up there and his two wives and so on the family, and he had become a very wealthy, successful man in that sense. But he spent that night wrestling, and then his name was changed to Israel for you have wrestled with God and won. And so uh, my understanding of the deepest meaning of the word Israel is not an ethnic group, not his people group, not a biological definition, but a spiritual definition. And that uh, I- Jacob became then a representative of what it is to be called the, the people of faith, the people of God. Uh, and I think that is, that is the deepest understanding of Israel. Uh, the promises about Israel and the, the eternal the eternal nature of the people of israel and the 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 kingdom of god the the kingdom of David, uh, the lineage of David through Messiah that he would be a king on david 's uh, throne forever uh, I see that we are Uh, And this includes us as Gentiles, Uh, me me from my Apache Indian background, you from whatever background you have. Uh, But all of us who uh, come into that relationship with God are now the people in the deepest sense. We are Israel uh, and we have been grafted in to the people of God, grafted into those. Now, Israel, the nation, the people group had a special place in the redemptive plan of God in that they became a picture of God's dealings with his people we can learn from God's dealing with them about God's dealing with us as God's people so as as spiritual Israel so uh the question there then I guess that that's I'm trying to kind of straighten out Paul talks in chapters 9 and 10 of the book of Romans about his own ethnic group his own people group he says my heart's desire my longing for for the Jewish people is that they you know they would be uh, they would come to faith in Messiah. They would experience uh, Messiah, all of them. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, as as in all, every other people group, uh, Jesus the Messiah came and he actually divides uh, sometimes. Families are divided. Moms and dads are divided. Uh, dads and children, because some choose God and choose the relationship with God and, and to repent and to uh, receive by uh, faith that, that salvation. And others do not in that sense. We become... Part of God's people, while maybe others do not. But he's saying, oh, my heart's desire that all of Israel, all of God, all of the people of Israel, my people group, just as I would plead in, in my heart's desire that all Apaches, uh, all the, the Mescalero Apache tribes, the White Mountain tribes, the uh, Chiricahua tribes, they, I, I, my heart's desire Native Americans all across our land. Uh, uh, Sioux Indians and the uh, Arapaho and Comanche and Cherokee, like all of these different tribes. My heart's desire for my people group in that sense is that they would come to know Jesus, God's son, and they would come to know the God that many of them know is there, the creator. We've seen him in nature and we see him as the creator. We honor and glorify him. But uh, we don't know, many don't know and understand that that true and living God, the God of creation, Uh, is the one God who also is given special revelation of himself. He is not only the general broad revelation of nature, uh, the sun, the moon, the stars, the seasons, and so on, but he's also given a special revelation and carried out a special work of redemption so that human beings all over planet Earth can become part of the, the people of God, part of his... We've been adopted into his forever eternal family, into the people of God by adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, we're told in the scriptures. So we we know him now, not as father just by creation, but as our father by spiritual birth. Now we've been dra- adopted into his family, another picture of the fatherhood of God. So. um I would bring that to your attention that that's part of what we'd find in the book of Romans. Also, look in chapters one and two. Uh, we find that God has uh, sent uh, and carried. A, he's revealed himself and his redemptive plan to men and women all over planet Earth. And people respond to what they hear and know of God. Uh, I have been to lands and uh, plenty of lands and people groups around the world where people have never even heard the name Jesus. Uh, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. They don't know about Israel and about the plan of God. They don't know about the Bible, and we come and we tell them for the first time that God. And they know God. They know. They know the Creator. They they've seen the sun, the moon, the stars. They understand and see from creation around them. Uh, as I said before, not only the sun, the moon, the star, the world around us, but also uh, the sun, uh, the, the the macrocosm. The, the, the stars the generation and also they looked within inside themselves and they see that that god shaped vacuum that god has planted in every heart god has planted eternity in our hearts we have this special unique awareness that we have as human beings that we enjoy that we can we can we can consider our world objectively we can get outside of ourselves we can and we can think and we can rationally uh reason about the, uh, the world that we live in, about our own selves. Uh, we, we can think about ourselves as separate from our environment, not just res- responding instinctively to the environment, but we can you know, we can look at a path and say, hmm, there's a fork in the road. I can go this way, point uh, path A, or I can go path B, or I can go path C, or maybe D. Uh, I can make a choice, uh, uh, and I can, and we can envision those and think them through, and then we make a choice between them. That's something that we can do uniquely, as human beings. And that gives rise, that free will and that rational, that that the ability of reasoning gives rise, of course, to uh, a, a great n- number of longings. and uh, We long for truth. We long for understanding. We long for information. Uh, we long uh, for uh, good and evil. We recognize th- th- that certain behaviors and attitudes are wrong and harmful and and, and and we want righteousness and rightness, and we want to be treated fairly. We have this sense of ought. Uh, all of this is a result of what we call general revelation. Uh, and we find that in creation, and we find that in our, our knowledge of uh, consciousness, this special awareness that we have as human beings that causes us to wonder about a purpose and meaning and significance in life. We wonder uh, about, uh, uh, you know, why this happens and why does death and we we long for immortality we long for life we we instinctively think of life after death uh and and so on so we uh these things these longings that we have give rise to the idea that there must be a reason just as just as um uh, just as the existence of thirst uh you are thirsty uh you are hungry these longings that we have. Give rise and give credence and and uh, support to our belief in the existence of water. You know, uh, we believe if we we have this longing, so that we just instinctively think there must be a satisfaction to that. And so we have these longings about God and the in and, and the spiritual dimension, and the spiritual world, and and spiritual qualities and and values, goodness and mercy and sacrifice and beauty and art and all of these things and non-material even. What pla How could they even exist? Uh, it, apart from uh, a designer, a, a, the God, and how could we even think about them? You know, the the lion out up there on the. Uh, uh, I've watched a lot of National Geographic. You know, the uh, I love the Discovery programs and all about the prides of lions and how they exist and so on. There, you see this pride of lions up there on their, their their resting place, and and they're watching these zebras or these uh, wildebeests going by. You know, and they're not going. Hmm, I wonder, would it be morally right, Dad? For me to go out there and and chase down that that little colt, that little zebra colt, or that that wildebeest, there would it be? It, would that be rational? He's already hurt. He's a little bit lame. To, would it be rational and kind of me to go out there and eat them, or or would that be uh, taking advantage? Would that be wrong? They don't have moral quibbles. They don't. Uh, you know, all they see is walking hamburgers <laughs> going by. They they see lunch. You know, they're on a, on a on a conveyor belt in front of them, and they're saying, well, which one can I get? And uh, they don't think what we do as human beings, we think about being merciful and fair and right and good and kind. And, and why is that? Well, it's because of the God has revealed himself. He has placed eternity in our hearts and, and we long for him. And And Paul says that if we that creates that longing and though. And so if you have that longing for God and that desire for purpose and meaning and significance in life, for To be morally made right with God for forgiveness and cleansing and to be to be made right and forgiven uh, and to become good people, good, moral, right people. Uh, the power of God is available to forgive and cleanse and also then to transform and change us and give us the power to live as we ought, to live and, and, and to, to make right choices. Give us the power of freedom, true freedom, as we learn in the scriptures. Is not, not, the to live, not the ability to live any way we want to, but to live and do the right thing. Not to do anything we want. That's not freedom. The true freedom is the ability and the power to live as we ought to live, to do the right thing. Uh, that's true freedom as defined in the scriptures. Well, we've got questions out there for you that you can answer from the books of Proverbs, the book of Ezra, and now the the book of romans so i invite you to give me a call 340-9585 we'll come back in just a few minutes for our final segment tonight i'll review some of these questions and you can give a call and answer them if you'd like or maybe you have your own questions 340-9585 praise you in the morning praise
0: you in the evening Praise you when I'm laughing, praise you when I'm grieving, never sees another soul. If we could see how much you're worth,
3: about your mind, you're endless now. We- you're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Praise
2: back hopefully you'll give us a call this last segment of the program three four zero ninety five eighty five. if you'd like to visit answer a question win some prizes uh maybe even just ask your own questions talking about the bible talking about god talking about the redemptive plan of god talking about the fatherhood of god in terms of creation and also redemption we are twice bought twice belonging to god once through creation and once through redemption so we uh He loves us. Even when we were lost, he came and found us and bought us back again. What a beautiful picture we have there in the scriptures of the redemptive plan of God. Give it a call if you'd like, 340-9585. I'm going to go directly to the phone line. I guess it's calling. Okay, we may have lost our caller, but maybe uh, calling back to join us now. So we'll go to that line in just a moment when it opens up, 340-9585. That is the phone number. And we are um, going to bring them up on the phone here. Just a moment. Oh, let's go and visit with Bob. It was going to be John, but Bob is joining us for this moment. I do encourage our friend John to give us a call back. We'd love to hear from you. Don't don't give up on us. All right, Bob. Good to hear from you tonight. What's going on in your part of the world?
4: Well, I'm down here in uh, off of uh, Route 87, Highway 87, down going towards Lavernia. Uh, I went down to a meeting. Uh, on uh, Sabbath, and uh, a man came up from Port Lavaca, and he had a give a message on Father's Day, and oh, I'm just kind of staying this, staying around this neighborhood down here.
2: Well, tell me a little bit about his message. What, what, what tell me a little bit what you, uh, what y'all celebrated or what you kind of looked at this, this Father's Day.
4: Oh that gentleman's name was Michael Bowright. Uh, he was, he's a very enthusiastic man. Uh, he, he's had a lot of problems in his life, but he turned his life around, uh, through the Bible and, uh, believing in Messiah and, and, um uh, uh he, he's, uh, a believer an observant believer. Uh, but I, I think mostly his enthusiasm was the, uh, was the big thing. And then, uh, uh-huh. I threw my two cents in at the at the comment time. Uh, I think about five comments were made. Uh, I threw my uh, my two cents in uh, was regarding the responsibility of fatherhood. It it comes on most men pretty young, and its youth is kind of wasted on the young. And we probably wish we could do it over again.
2: We make but, a lot uh, of mistakes, don't we? Sometimes in our in our youth, but uh, uh, well, love can but, cover uh, a multitude of uh, mistakes too, doesn't it? That's good. Yes.
4: Yes, and, uh, uh, especially when it's done in ignorance. Uh-huh. But, uh, I, I, my comment was the responsibility of it when I look at Exodus 34. Uh-huh. Uh, the iniquity of the father would be visited in, uh, punishments or, 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 or difficulties, pain, uh, on the third and the, 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 the son and the grandson, granddaughter. And the third, and the fourth generation, the uh, great grandson, the great granddaughter, uh, and the great great grandson and granddaughter, and it—it it really, it, it's very sobering to think. Wow, I, I've gone and I've gone and done it. Now I've brought about this uh, this new human being, and, uh, and now whole generations of history—the next 100, 150 hundred and fifty years—their uh, their lives are going to be, uh, to an extent, uh, their happiness is going to be based on that. Uh, if I can be a good man uh, and, and and not be a, be a, the the scripture has to do with uh, an unfair person. Yes. The iniquity has to do with uh, being an unfair person, intentionally unfair, taking advantage, uh, set, maybe setting up little schemes to move yourself ahead and uh, move others down uh-huh. and, uh, it, uh, the, that those iniquities will be visited in the form of pain or, or correction on the on the kids. So uh, I, that was my. That's what jumped out at me.
2: Yeah. Uh, Tell me where that uh, is again. what well, you, I think you said Genesis. Well, 34? I think that's
4: in the, that's in uh, Exodus thirty four. But it's also 34. in the t- uh-huh. it's also in the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy and in Exodus uh-huh. uh, uh, pertaining to the second commandment. Uh, but uh, it's given separately in Exodus 34. But uh, I was just listening to Jonathan Cahn, and I I, want to state that I believe some things in the Bible are uh, perhaps uh, symbolic, uh, because uh, how would anyone know that the temple, that the veil was rent, you know, Uh Uh, being that it was a closed building? It could have maybe got out as an urban legend. and hey, the temple was rent, but it would just be a rumor. Uh-huh. So, I, I uh, how substantiated would that be? And if it was substantiated, it seems that the writer would say, "Hey, so and so priest, yeah. in, in the so and so, a very high-ranking senior priest, stated that the te- that the veil was rent." And though that detail is not given. So I believe some things are—they—they they, they have a grain of truth in them, and uh, perhaps we can say symbolically the veil was rent. Right. Uh, uh, you can. Yeah.
2: I, I agree well, with you, Bob. I uh, you uh, know. Bob, there are a number of passages like that, things that we get. The record mm-hmm. of uh, some of them we can imagine, for example, that might have been reported mm-hmm. back. Uh, some of the mm-hmm. prayer times that Jesus had that the disciples remembered those when J- Peter, James and John at times were the mm-hmm. ones with them. Uh, 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 but that in particular is one where the, the uh, when Jesus uh, was on the cross, we, we mm-hmm. hear when he died that the the, uh, the that curtain that divided the holy of holies from the holy place uh, was from yes. top to bottom, it says. And we, we you, the question is, well, how do we know that? You know, was that did that get yes. out? Was it broadcast, or was that maybe it uh, happened? Maybe
4: it happened in heaven. Uh, yeah. uh, but uh, I would say, uh, I believe I, I've come to believe that a lot of the New Testament and even some of the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew Scriptures, are uh, what I'd call a paraphrase.
2: Uh-huh.
4: Uh, but the truth is behind the paraphrase. Yes. Uh, a little bit of artistic. Artistic writing. If you if you do a lot of reading, you you find that the the writers learn how to be uh, symbolic and uh, use symbolism in their writing. And oh, yes. uh, I, I believe <laughs> that a lot of it is a, a, a paraphrase to try to make people understand how important these things are. But uh, I was, uh, I really appreciate your show, sir. I. I uh, I try to support it occasionally, not as much as I should. But uh, Jonathan That's Kahn awesome. kind of reminds me of that, his yeah. little spot there.
0: Sure.
4: And, and uh, uh, it, I, there's something very really special in your program and uh, that kind of uh, reflects something that I read once in The Pilgrim's Progress, the, the book that John Bunyan wrote from sure. prison. I, I'm reading it, that to
2: my grandchild it, it, now. <laughs> Ooh,
4: yeah. awesome. Uh, he says something in there. Uh, and uh, he says, all of a sudden he goes to the rabbis, and he says, that's why the clean animals, that you can eat the sheep and the goat and the cow, that's why you can eat them because they have the split hoof and they chew the cud. Uh-huh. And he, he says, he says the rabbis teach us that the uh, the split hoof has to do with the judgment. You were mentioning the judgment to do right. Yes. Uh-huh. The, the, uh, the the that little split hoof. Is a paraphrase or a, a parable of judgment to choose the right path, left or right, and make a choice. Uh-huh. Whereas a, a, a horse, just, he just goes where that hoof <laughs> is pointed. Interesting. And and the uh, the cud, yeah. although the animals don't actually speak, the cud is a representation of of speaking the right things, speaking the right words, and not shutting up How when some that? people would shut up uh-huh. and not. And not speak up when they should. Yeah. The animal is is mimicking us speaking. So those clean animals show us how to be when we eat them, uh, as opposed to the unclean animals which we don't eat because they either like the pig. Well, he has this, I think he has a split hoof, but he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't. He, he speaks badly. Yeah. He. he, he uh, uh, yeah <laughs> or doesn't or doesn't speak yeah. and and we have to do both we have to walk correctly and we have to speak up for what's right and also uh. to teach our children and also just to speak up for what's right in general and also uh uh not to
2: keep our mouth shut, you know. Yeah, well, that'll preach, I tell you. That and, and Jacob is constantly reminding us. One of the greatest things I've learned uh, from Jacob in, in a, a Hebrew perspective of our scriptures is that, uh, I mean, these passages, are, they're written by the Hebrew people, Jewish people, with their traditions, their history, their language. And their particular language, particularly Hebrew, uh, not so much the same with Greek, but particularly Hebrew, was totally a a picturesque language. They they it wasn't mm-hmm. A plus B plus C equals D. You know, it was mm-hmm. they 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 were more contextual. They were more like Spanish. Yeah. I tell you, uh, when I lived in Spain. The Spanish people way of conversing and expe- speaking is all at once. everybody just jumps in and throws in comments and so on, and then there emerges from the conversation the kind of a consensus or a picture a general picture and that 's a little bit like the com- the com- conversation and communication in Hebrew is that they spoke in pictures and examples, and as like you say, these word pictures uh, stories were great and, and uh, you know about the animals and that sort of thing, so all of these are they 're very beautiful and we can learn so very much from them they really can it, it's a little harder for us in our uh, in our gentile world world in our english and you know the, the even the the um even the uh, 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 the greek in the new testament is like paul the book of romans is so beautiful part of that is because it is so exact that the greek language was more exacting and more And he he gives meaning to this word like justification, sanctification, propitiation. I mean, there was this these beautiful words that had the exact meaning that can help us get a a better grasp, perhaps, on the um, on the mechanics of the redemptive plan of God. Now, other pictures can be just as powerful in giving us a picture, not of the mechanics necessarily, but of the dynamic of the redemptive plan. We, we get the emotion, we get the passion, we get the experience of it instead of the, the nuts and bolts. But uh, all of those are necessary because we all have different learning styles. Some of us learn from manuals, some of us learn from experience, some of us mm-hmm. learn from watching others. You know, you've know, you got it all. And you find it all in the scriptures. That's one of the amazing things about the Bible. It's, it's got a learning, it's got different kinds of literature that uh, can appeal to every kind of learner. Uh, We can get all these lessons from them. But, yeah, I don't want to wax too uh, eloquent about that. But I've always been amazed at the scriptures, the different varieties of literature, the stories, as you say, the symbolisms and so on. And some of the other areas that may be more exact, the instructions, the clear, sometimes exactly six inches long or this, you know, know, the exactitude of the book of Leviticus, for example, and talking about the, the design of the tabernacle or the temple. So uh yeah we'll I think a bit uh, of everything. I think
4: uh the uh the Iber River which uh, the Iberian Peninsula is named after right is coming it's coming from a Greek word haber and uh there's, that's a very mysterious word. They, the Greek uh, scholars can't say where it came from but some people a lot of people think it's the. it comes from Hebrew uh H B R uh uh that river and uh, that the Iberian Peninsula actually has a lot to do with the Hebrews actually. But, uh, that's right. <laughs> the, uh, the, 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 sacred name, uh, actually c- tends to solve the, uh, the cause effect, uh, Conundrum that that the philosophers came up with: were, what caused what caused that flower? And then they move on to the seed, caused that flower. What caused the seed? And they and they, they and that seed came out of the flower. And they keep going backwards, backwards, backwards. And and they the, the, you you find uh, what what caused the world? What caused the universe? And they finally get to God, and then they say, what caused God? And then they when they can't answer that question, they they throw they they give up on the cause effect. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, field of inquiry, but actually the sacred name kind of solves the cause-effect uh, conundrum by because uh, he, it's the verb of existence, he who causes it all to exist. Uh-huh. So you, you have your great first cause in through the Hebrew language, but you can't get it through the, the Latin or the other uh, languages that they were studying in, English and German. You can get it out of the Hebrew language. You get the great first cause, and you get the The uh, answer to the idea of is there a universe or a multiverse? You get the answer that it's it's a universe, and so it's one, and that one that one entity created it. So uh, in the Hebrew, we do get to uh, we we, uh, if you if. The the philosophers were just a little deficient in that they they didn't look at it through the Hebrew language, but uh, they weren't blessed to be able to do that. Some of them actually did. When this country was settled uh, and the first colleges started up, you could deliver your dissertation in Hebrew if you wanted to.
2: (laughs) Not not that many people could, not that many people
4: could because it was a dead language, but uh, you you were entitled to, to deliver it in Hebrew.
2: That is so interesting. I, I I took Hebrew and Greek both, and and I learned them well. I was fascinated by them, but I've mainly learned how to use the tools. I can use the concordance and the you know the Hebrew dictionaries and the, so on, and the you know the interlinear examples. But I really yeah. admire folks who can get into yeah. the Hebrew, the a uh, uh, dead language. The Bible
4: Hub is really good. good. It's, the Bible uh, Hub is really good. It really is. and uh, Strong Strong's Concordance only has. 8,000 and some uh, words to uh, memorize. And the actual root words, you, it's probably only uh, maybe 2,000 or 2,500 root words in Hebrew that uh, in the Bible that you could actually memorize. It's actually very doable, you know, for a child, let's say, for a parent to teach a child to learn all, all the, the uh, Hebrew roots because all of the Hebrew roots are generally just three 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 letters. Yep. So well, it's, 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 not only are there not very many words, the, the words are very short.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I I know it, it is fascinating. And, I, and the good thing about it is, is that we can we can go as deep as we like. The Bible is like an onion. You know, you just keep getting different levels and there's this consistency throughout the levels there's nothing that contradicts another but you can go deeper and deeper in the scriptures or we can understand as an 8-year-old child i came to faith in christ and i understood the essential message of god and the fatherhood of god and the redemptive plan of god even as a child and then, of course as i grow as i grew spiritually in my faith and also uh, intellectually and, and my reasoning capabilities as a human being uh, i i tested this, the 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 scriptures. I tested the redemptive plan, and I had to ask deeper questions: Is it really true? I had to look for for confirmation. And, and I'm not just believing a a myth a mythology here. I'm not just believing a bunch of. Uh, legends, am I? And I had to come and ask the questions, is this really true? And of course, the scriptures answer those questions as deep as we want to go. And that's one of the amazing things about it. I sure do appreciate your calling in, being a part of the program, Bob. It's good to have you out there. I want to jump over if I can now and uh, visit with, um, let me see if I can get Lee calling in on tonight's program. We've only got about five or six minutes left, but Lee, Love to hear some of your thoughts, happy Father's Day by the way to you and yours. Hello, hello, Lee. Happy Father's Day. Hey, thank you,
1: sir. And 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 thanks to our wives that gave us that privilege, That's right? Idea, Same to you. And, and, yeah. Hey, um, yeah. can you hear me okay? I
2: hear you great, you sound better than I do.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, right. Okay. Listen, um uh, brother, with all due respect, um, the previous caller seemed to indicate that D, that he believed that there was uh, some metaphorical teaching uh that the word of God did not mean what it said. And and I'd like to refer him to uh 2 Timothy 3:16. It says uh-huh. all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And, you know, in other words, um, when does God start telling the truth? <laughs> you know, particularly people that don't believe in, uh, in, a, in a, a literal creation, does he start telling the truth in Genesis 12? Or well, the other thing is, uh, how many drops of arsenic spoil the, the pan of brownies? Uh, You know, when the Bible says that that veil, which, by the way, was two inches thick, Thick, was torn from the top to the bottom Mm -hmm. to indicate that when Jesus said it is finished, he broke out of the Old Testament covenants and law, particularly a a a good reading of Galatians would help, and it was it was symbolic but true of the fact that Jesus was the messiah and uh he And the door came to now to, open
2: the the pathway right. open to the holy of holies yeah. Yes.
1: yeah so that is you know i'm i've got a degree in english and a degree in education not that that makes me real smart but anyway um <laughs> could pre- i pretty much could tell way, right? a metaphor uh-huh. you know <laughs> yeah so that is a literal occurrence that took place particularly emphasizing uh the work of Jesus Christ so i just i just thought i'd, I'd mention that because um, we do have folks that that even way off on the left that want to say well you know like the jesus seminar people yes that's the kind of that's the kind of thing they pull uh and twisting the scriptures and um, I think it's, it's, it's time these days that we, it's like Adam McManus said on, on his radio program, you know, we expose the works of evil. We're, we're responsible for, uh, exposing doctrine. You know, and yes. Paul said, but that we are an angel from heaven proclaim any other gospel, let him be accursed. And of course we know that, uh, our Mormon friends believe that a different angel Came, not, to, not the scriptural angel. So I hope that helps. Uh, I'm, well, sir, I'm, I'm just trying to.
2: It's not the first time I've heard uh, that particular view. And I was talking when I responded to um, Bob there about uh, that particular thing: uh, the, the um, curtain being torn from top to bottom and so on. Uh, yes, sir. My, I have no problem myself personally. That was. That w- that really happened. But it is true that it, there was no way that we could know that happened. It's in the whole, you know, I mean, it's it's where it would not, nobody could see that. You know, that's the place where you would, it would have to be broadcast and made known through some kind of uh, medium and understanding uh, to the people to, to even write it down and all. And so I, it's not the first time I've heard the idea that this might have been a picture of uh, just an expression using the the curtain as a way of of emphasizing that the doorway is now open. The temple, the curtain was rent from top to bottom, from God to mankind. It wasn't a thing that man ripped it from bottom to top. It was God from top to bottom, and so on. It, it, it's it's not the first time I've heard that, and I don't think a person loses loses their salvation or loses uh, uh, the relationship with God is any less. In that and I'm talking about that specific case uh, to try to wrestle with that how it came to know what is that what sense was that meant to be said and there are places in the scripture where God does uh, they, people do use an expression of uh, of an event or something uh Peter I think talks about the people being baptized going through a cloud with Moses uh, and others they do use pictures they do use examples they do use, and, and I understood what Bob was saying. My particular view is in, in likelihood. I don't have any problem thinking that was real, that was literal, that was physical, and God did it somehow, and how it got to be knowledge that people could write it down. I don't know, but, I mean, I, I, I'm not in position to deny it, you know, so I, I just go with it. it. The picture, though, is the same. The truth, the lesson, whether you take it as symbolic and, and uh, uh uh, and it's a picture of what God accomplished through the, the cross. And whether it's an actual true fact or whether it was a picture of the the, the lesson is the same. Uh, don't you agree to that, at least? I mean, there's no different lesson about it. It isn't a matter of God lying in one and, and, and the others a lie. I mean, it's just it could be just as true as a picture, as a metaphor, an understanding, as it is true uh, if it were, uh, in, as I believe pr- it probably was, a real fact. But the lesson, the truth of it still remains the same. In this particular case, I, I don't think that it makes you necessarily a her- heretic or, you know, that somehow you're not really a believer or anything if you don't agree with that exact view of what happened in that particular passage. Do you, don't you agree with that? I'm, I'm guessing, Lee, I'm not sure.
1: Well, um, you know, I, I am sure. That because they were going through the Passover, you know, just as Jesus was on the cross, about the same time that afternoon, the Passover lamb was being sacrificed. That there were enough people yeah. that witnessed that event, and then told the gospel writer about that. Um,
2: I I, 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 I agree with that. I personally, I'm saying I. I I generally tend to when I read things when there's a battle between the literal and the symbolic. I I, I don't mind going to the literal. Uh, often we can't explain it. You know, it's a miracle of God and all. Uh, but uh, and I would agree with you on that. We do have to be careful, very careful about doing that. If the Bible says this was literally and and it, true and so on, but. Uh, i give I give bob a little bit of slack there um, I could see I, I've read that theory in in uh, good th- in good uh, seminaries sometimes that theory that particular view is presented at least as an option gotta go Lee. good to hear from you and Bible great, Live great, is great dedicated discussion that's to what we're all about the see you next week culture and it's
3: brought to you by crew military ministry mailing address is po box 18888. That's Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218.
0: Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live Broadcast.
3: You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.